0: Welcome back to the fantasy formula. As always, I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, we survived the summer break. How are you feeling? We got through it. It was four weeks. I
1: know we connected last week on the tier list, which I thought was a rousing success, but, um, to be honest, I was very glad to get to the race week
0: and, um, we're only a few short days away from Zandvoort, so can't wait awesome let's get right into it we've got an action-packed agenda for tonight we're going to review how Rob and I fared in the first half of the season we'll talk about spa and our lineups because it's going to set the table really nicely for our zanbort preview as always we'll get into our fan app picks of the week and then we'll finish with the all important lineup choices Rob, we looked really good in the first half and there was only 31 points separating you and me, but that's 9,000 players in between us. Things are super tight.
1: Yeah, it's been um, it's been a pretty good first half of the um, season for both of us. I think it, for, for anyone sitting inside the top 100,000, I think s- still sitting very pretty. There's a lot of racing still to go. There's a lot of chips for many people that are still to be used. And I think we'll see um, as... The season wears on. A lot of lineup dilemmas and a lot of pivotal rank swings when ships are activated. So I think you and I, uh, independently, um, are looking pretty good. I mean, I've used my three times. I've used my uh, final fix, I believe, but that's it. And I, which ones have you
0: used Ian? I've used my three X and my autopilot. The autopilot didn't get me anywhere. I don't think it will
1: for many people if Max continues to, to perform at the rate he is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, I think, with the way the game's shaking out with um, a lot more team selection dilemmas, which we'll get into shortly. It's going to be a really interesting 10 races remaining.
0: For sure. Let's break into our recap of Spa. We have a, a lot of action to unpack, starting with... Alex Albon having a tremendous week. You took a a great chance on him and it really paid off for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was really pleased with that Albon. I was concerned to be honest um, with the wet weather, whether or not the Williams would perform as expected. And don't get me wrong. Fantasy wise, great weekend, a record number of overtakes for this season um, in one weekend. Uh, But I didn't think as far as his performance um, as a standalone F1 driver in the World Championship standings was concerned was quite as high as I think I went into the weekend with. So I've got a lot of optimism about Alex, uh, maybe not so much in Zandvoort, but certainly in Monza. Um, and I think he's a great hold or great buy for anyone who is interested in him as, a, as an asset moving forward.
0: When you think about this surge that Alex has had these last few races, he's scored eight or more points in all of his last five. He only did that once in his first seven races. So this is clearly a tale of, of two halves of, of the season for Alex so far. Hopefully he can keep it up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you reckon you'll be on him
0: anytime soon or is it a wait and see game? What I'm struggling with is you can see on the graphic here, he's gained 3 million in value since Canada time is running out to get on the Albon hype train before you really just can't afford him anymore. So yeah. how do we balance the the very different tracks we're about to see between Zandvoort and Monza next week? Do you, do you invest in Albon early so that you can ride him in Monza or perhaps it's too late by the time we get there?
1: Yeah, good point, good point. I also think as well, he's at 7.9 right now and I don't think he's plateaued in price just yet, but you don't really see too many drivers kind of in that 7 to 10 category in terms of constructors really go above you know eight or nine million so i do wonder like if his value is going to be pegged or kind of hit a point where it doesn't see the same increases that we've seen the last few races so just wait and see if he can extract as much value out of that car as we know he can and at monza then sky's the limit for him
0: for sure and a- another driver in a lower constructor car is joe Yu. If you saw our mid-season tiers you know we are very high on joe he had another 18 points in spa which is his sixth race with double digit points and for of you keeping track that's two more double digit finishes than oscar piastri he's having a heck of a season so far he's
1: been unbelievable i know we do harp on about him a lot as the top budget driver as the overtake merchant but he deserves so much credit not just as a fantasy asset but as yeah, you know, he's just seen so much marked improvement um, a year ago on his rookie season. So I uh, I really like him as an asset. I'm very tempted to get him back into my team this week, not just because of the performance we saw in Spa. I know it's kind of hard because he has, he has had a check last couple of races, minus four in Hungary, six in Silverstone. So um, for me, I'm, I'm just very much piling in on the – general consistency we've seen from him this season I'm less concerned about the price rises for Joe uh but to be honest uh in terms of consistency at that kind of four five six million dollars he's blowing everyone else out of the water in
0: comparison yeah you can't beat him if you have six million or less in budget I would go with Joe any day of the week and this that's helpful for new players since F1 launched a second half league and so some people might be starting with the standard hundred million. I would go with go with Joe as your number five driver for sure.
1: Yeah, easily, easily. I think Can that... Yeah, I, sorry. I was just going to say, it's a nice segue into to the Alpines who have, haven't have really reflected as much consistency the last few races. Obviously, they had a, a great rebound performance in Spa, but um, before then, they've, they've been plagued with DNFs aplenty, and it isn't quite... I guess what I was hoping from both Gasly and Ocon, uh, obviously DNFs in many respects are out of their control, but it is encouraging to see them come back a little bit after a little a, a last few races where they just haven't really proven their worth.
0: That's right. So double DNFs in back-to-back races, Ocon leads all drivers with three DNFs. There wasn't a lot to to look forward to with these two. And Ocon was 16th in fantasy scoring overall. So really, really tough assets to own. But this rebound in Spa, now this is their, for both of them, their second best outing of the season. So hopefully this is an upward trajectory for Alpine.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is obviously a little bit um, discouraging with all that's going on at Alpine. Otmar leaving, a number of other senior figures in that team are also on the way out, if not already. And... These two seem to be the only kind of semblance of consistency in this team. And I mean, this is obviously a great sign that they've rebounded in spa, but the pre- previous two races just wasn't really um, encouraging at all. I think for me, one of the team builds I'm looking at um, has an option for Gasly, and I'm not suggesting he's the top of my shopping list in that kind of seven to nine million dollar price range. But if he is able to string together some encouraging practice performances on Friday, and you know we do see another weekend that's representative of what we saw in spa then i i definitely think he's viable when he's on his when he's on form but it's it's just a, a bit of a mixed bag for these guys at the moment which makes me a little
0: wary to get in either of them yeah for me I'm, I'm definitely avoiding them in my team for this week but i think they're one upgrade maybe one or two consistent weeks away from being right back in the lineup conversation definitely Definitely. I
1: mean, another, I guess, it segues nicely again into, I guess, these these McLaren guys because Alpine rebounded last week. McLaren didn't have the most encouraging performance in Spar and there is some scepticism, I think, around tripling up. I, I know there are people that still are quite high on them, but where do you kind of see yourself standing with respect to McLaren assets heading into this weekend?
0: I was a little discouraged by their, their outing in spa. The McLaren constructor finished dead last with 18 points. So less than Williams, less than Haas. It was a really tough week for them. It was due in part because Piastri had that collision with signs on lap one. He finished in the negative Lando finished P seven, but he was really running out of the points for, for a good half of that race. So a tough outing for McLaren but I fully believe they're going to rebound. And there's two pieces of evidence that really point me to why I think they're going to. If you look at the telemetry data of the fastest lap from Lando versus Logan Sargent, who finished this race P17, you'll see that on these straights, Sargent was reaching up to 30 kph faster than Norris. After the race, we started hearing some grumblings that McLaren over invested in a high downforce setup, expecting the rain, we barely got any rain during the race and Lando's pace really paid for it. And so if Logan Sargent in P17 is going this much faster than Lando, he's definitely not going to be able to overtake. He's a sitting duck if anybody wants to pass him. So I think that's a very overcomable thing.
1: Yeah, great points. I think uh, it's very hard to ignore the straight line speed of that Williams, and I think that's probably slightly weighted in favour of of that team, just because the top speed isn't always going to be achieved on the straights. But uh, it is. I mean, McLaren. It's well documented. They've they've got a, a solid car in in those corners, and so naturally, I think some of those, or at least from what we saw in in Budapest, um, I think their car is going to respond quite favourably. Zandvoort's got a combination of both. So um, I'm not too discouraged um, by the telemetry we can see here on the screen. Um, To be honest, I think the car is overall very strong, and
0: I think that should reflect well in fantasy this weekend. The other reason why I think McLaren overinvested in the rain, and it's something they can easily fix this week, is as soon as the rain fell on lap 18, Lando pitted for softs, dropped to P19. And in the six laps that we had wet racing, he went from P19 to P7, and those were the only positions he gained the whole race. As soon as the weather dried back up, didn't gain a single position the rest of the race. So I really think it's just a rain adjustment away from getting things right.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was um, while watching the race, oh, I was having a bout of anxiety seeing him running down at the you know the last few positions on the, on the track, and then and you know. So overjoyed when he managed to make his way back up into the top 10. So I really hope we don't see quite a swing like that again um, this weekend. But um, I think the the dry weather, hopefully the wet weather stays away because that's what it's kind of forecast for Saturday, Sunday. But if it is dry, then I certainly think um the, the McLarens are going to be front and center as, as we've
0: seen recently. And I think, you know, this dovetails nicely into a review of the track and And what the, some of the tires stuff will look like in just a minute. The last thing I want to cover about this week as a preview too, are just some of the overtake histories between 2022 and 2023. When you look at the comparison of the last two seasons, the overtake rates are almost identical every single race. So when you look at Zandvoort 2022, there were fewer than 20 overtakes it spells bad news for our overtake leaders that spend most of their fantasy points from that one statistic.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, um, the overtakes as, as we've talked about before, a lot of those drivers in the budget category, very much dependent on that to generate points each week. So and Joe, obviously two candidates in that case. Interestingly, Sinoda was one of those drivers last year that sat in the DNF club, as we've got here on the screen. Um, but I don't think we're seeing the same level of inconsistency that we saw from Yuki last year and the year prior that we are this year. He's very much a different driver. He's now the leader of that team, um, or it certainly was for the first 12, 13 races until Danny's joined. Maybe doesn't quite seem the same way now. Uh, but uh, I don't think, for me, that's a concerning omen whatsoever as a as someone or as someone that has previously owned Yuki this season. And if you do own Yuki heading into this race, I don't think that should be really worrisome whatsoever. Bottas on the other hand, his performances leave a little to be desired, but um, I think it's going to be an interesting race. It's a circuit that um, has, you know, a lot of overtaking opportunities and we we could see a driver like Joe really thrive there as we have seen so far this year.
0: Absolutely. And, you, you reach a good point on the DNFs. Zanvort was on the calendar for 35 years, then off the calendar for 35 years. And we only have two races to go off of. Sonoda, unfortunately DNF them both. But I think that was, like you said, some of the inexperience and just some of the easy mistakes last year ended up being a very weird car failure. Something where he was, he pulled over, then he rolled all the way back to the pits, they fixed some stuff. He rolled back out of the pits again, then pulled over. Then there was a safety car. It was a bit of a mess with Sonoda last season. I, I think some people were questioning why they would let him back out after after being disabled already. Yeah,
1: I, I think um, we could see some surprises this weekend. Um, but again, Yuki's um, someone I, I, I do consider most race weeks, and he has come into my thinking once or twice this week. On the back of consistent performances we've seen from him so far so i i think uh, that
0: of what we saw last year is very much in the past for him great let's move on now to a review of the track and this is what i was alluding to a moment ago so at spa you have a really fast circuit a lot of fast corners and uh, multiple drs zones here In Zandvoort, you have a lot of twists and turns, one very long straight, but a very technical course. So Pirelli have brought the hardest compounds in the line. This tells me a few things. One is if anybody's thinking about running Ferrari, they're historically pretty bad with the hard conditions, the, the Ferrari and Haas both tend to burn through tires a little bit faster than the other constructors and. Also, this gives me good reason to believe, again, that McLaren are going to rebound. So even if they mess up the rain prediction, they bring a high downforce set up again, and they just miss it. This is a track that sort of allows for that high downforce, and they won't suffer as badly as they did on a fast track last time out.
1: Yeah, look, I think the corners really favor... a lot of teams um with those higher downforce setups it does also it's quite nicely balanced in fact i do like the fact that it's got both um a lot of faster and slower speed corners but it's also got that really nice straight through um i guess turns turns one um, so i i and, and then i got again obviously through kind of the second part of sector one through to two so I'm really excited to see kind of how all the teams respond um, with their different setups. I think Williams, I know, is expected to do well in Monza. I think we could see a few things from them um, heading into this week as well and they're, I think, my dark horse. But I'm also really excited to see the upgrades that Aston Martin bring and whether or not they respond um,
0: positively to to the circuit. And another interesting thing about this track with – tire degradation high in last year there were three sometimes four stops among the drivers so pit stop strategy and pit stop execution could really be a factor in this race so it's another reason why i'm not terribly confident in the ferraris they tend to bungle this thing but for red bull and mclaren those two constructors with many of the fastest pit stop times of the season all the more reason to start them this week yeah yeah definitely definitely
1: All things to certainly consider as part of our team selection dilemmas, which
0: very much looking forward to covering in a moment's time. For sure. All right. Let's move on to the weather report. You mentioned this earlier, Rob. It's going to be a lot of rain. So it'll be very interesting to see if we get any dry sessions on Friday and Saturday morning just to see how the cars run in the dry. If not, it could be a day full of inters and wets and really throw some of the strategy out the window.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and I touched on this um, a little bit already this week around the weather and how that can implicate not just qualifying, but also um, the race. Uh, I, yeah, we've seen performances in the past on Saturday where rains resulted in some surprising results. Um, Magnussen in Brazil last year comes to mind for me as a highlight of wet weather racing. Or qualifying. Uh, and obviously, because then not a sprint weekend, it definitely narrows down the number of viable chips to use this weekend. The standout for me, as has been the case with any wet race, is no negative. But the number of races we've had this year where it's been forecast for wet and then dried up, or it's been forecast for wet and we just haven't pulled the trigger on no negative, is kind of mind boggling, to be honest, because I feel like just about every week, there seems to be a wet weather forecast and doesn't seem to really affect the racing all that much.
0: One thing I'm going to keep an eye out for is the final fix. I'm sure we do it every week already, but on a track where overtakes are low and at a time where you might have a surprise Q1 exit because of the weather, I wonder if you have, say, a Perez that we're running that's out in Q1 It's going to be less likely he can overtake in wet conditions on a a curvy track on Sunday. Maybe we pull him out.
1: Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great option. I've butchered my final fix in Monaco, so I don't have uh, the the choice there to use it, but I think that's a really good point you made. I didn't even really give that much thought um, to be honest. I just wonder, yes, obviously there aren't that many opportunities for overtaking, but Still in that Red Bull, I, I, I think, right, Perez off at your own peril as a fantasy asset. Uh, he's just delivered um, fantasy wise most races when he hasn't been in a DNF type situation. So, I, for me, and we'll get into this again when we go through our teams, I, I can't really say he'd be one I'd be looking to cut anytime soon, regardless of how he performs. Um, in that rocket ship at the moment. But I think, though, to your point, there is going to be, you know, possibly a surprise or two we do see on Saturday. So for those of you that haven't used your your final fix, keep them keep them ready. If I use it, I'll
0: shout it from the, the mountaintops. Don't worry. <laughs> Hopefully it's more effective than mine, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's move on now to the Fan Amp picks of the week. If anyone hasn't signed up for Fan Amp yet, you can win some really great prizes each and every week by just answering some really simple prediction questions like the ones you see on the screen here. Rob, the first one is, which of the drivers you see here complete the most laps in qualifying?
1: I think qualifying, it's been an interesting season for all of those drivers in their own right. Uh, I definitely think the Alpines are going to bounce back. Um, they, They had an encouraging rebound as we talked about earlier, Inspire, and of those four teams, there are probably the strongest on pace alone. So my bet is going to be Gasly. Uh, I'll, I'll
0: put him. I think he'll be hungry for a Q3 appearance, so he's that's where my money is. Just for the sake of disagreeing, I'll say Ocon. but I, I totally agree with all the points you made. I think this is a rebound weekend for Alpine, at least one driver in the top 12 or so in qualifying. So that should see many laps for them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. As far as the overtakes, I mean, you you did call out that it is a circuit that doesn't um, offer too many. So where do you kind of see the coin falling on the number of
0: overtakes for this week on Sunday? I would say probably the second option 20 to 29, I think, It will end up around where 2022 did Mm. i wouldn't be surprised though if it were less depending on the timing of the rain that could really shunt everything
1: yeah that's kind of where my head's at if the rain really picks up i would no doubt expect there'd be 30 plus so i'm gonna put my money on on that one for this but I, i still need to enter my picks on the app so I'm gonna make sure I pencil those in uh, before the
0: before the deadline before qualifying it's part of my hygiene every weekend so on Saturday morning'll I'll wake up watch Fp3 lock in my lineup and then go to my fan and picks of the week
1: all over it that's a that's a routine and a half if I've ever had one
0: <laughs> let's get down to business and talk about our lineups so this is one of the toughest lineup decisions I've made all year I'm planning that aston martin will do better and so i'm bringing them back as my constructor but hedging by running both mclaren drivers and so if i run 3x red bull 2x mclaren that leaves with just enough budget for one guy it's either ricardo or hulkenberg or sergeant so i went with hmm. Ricardo.
1: Yeah, I love, I love Danny Rick. I think I'm going to make no secret of that. And the, the bet is still on that I have to do a shooey if he ends up on the podium this season. So I hope for your sake he has a blinder of a weekend and comes away with a top three, uh, as as unrealistic as that might sound. But I, I really like your build. Um, the obvious point of difference that we have, at least our draft lineups, is um, where we've placed our faith in Aston Martin. I have deliberated over which Aston Martin asset I want this week. Uh, but for me, I still am not encouraged by Lance Stroll at all. I know him and Alonso have pretty much been um, punch for punch mm-hmm. the last three races. I think Lance has had 23 points, Alonso's had 21. But the upgrades, as you've obviously kind of put your uh, eggs in the basket on, on Aston Martin is where my head's at too. I think for me, what I'm a little deterred by with going in on Aston Martin is because of Stroll. I do think that Alonso is certainly the better of the two Aston Martin drivers. If he can replicate that consistency that we saw earlier in the season, I think he's a surefire um, driver for you know 20 plus points. Uh, but having that exposure or that risk to Lance Stroll by the Constructor is what's disincentivized me from going down that route. Uh, but I, I guess to that point, you know, you've, you've been able to carve out an additional 1.8 to, to reach to, to Lando instead of, um, instead of uh, Fernando. I think the, the major difference is obviously, do you go a Lando and a budget? And Aston Martin, or do you go Oscar and Fernando and McLaren with
0: a budget? So what's your what's your take there? Is there is there a right answer? Luckily for me, your option wasn't even a, a possible for me just because my budget is I think on 0.3 or point four behind you and you used almost all of your budget for that build. So hmm. I couldn't agree with you even if I wanted to. But Fair for me i'm trying to balance this week versus next week and this is my first stab at it i've been reading a lot about mclaren struggling at low downforce high efficiency courses like monza and so as much as i predict they're going to take a step forward this weekend i think there's a decent chance they could regress next weekend and so if that happens i would want aston martin there and then use my two subs maybe Ricardo and Norris keep Piastri in just to hedge so I'm trying to oh. figure out two steps ahead so I don't take too much of a penalty on transfers too
1: yeah that's kind of the situation I'm in this week I have to take a minus four for just about any decent build um, the one I've got on the screen included so I, I I mean minus four is not the end of the world in this in this game uh, we're scoring you know 250 300 points a week Uh and up like minus 40 of score is so insignificant. It's like 1%, 2%. So it's I, I don't really get too deterred by taking a minus four. I think if you're taking three or four um, penalties, so minus eight or minus 12, then maybe that's cause for wild card. But realistically, the, the immateriality of that against the potential that I, I guess a team build that you think can score well can provide is enough of an argument for me to not be too concerned by it. Um, I think to go back to the McLaren constructor, and this is something I've been grappling with a little bit this week is obviously I don't have Lando. Lando's had two driver of the day nominations in Austria and Silverstone, I think it was. uh, And I don't really get that owning the McLaren constructor. The thing is, though, I guess what offsets my build against having Aston Martin as my constructor is that these guys, at McLaren, sorry, they have, I guess, a much higher potential for fastest fastest pit stop points. Aston Martin certainly have had their fair share of those this season, but McLaren had the two fastest pit stops uh, in the, I think it was the last three, it was um, Austria and, and Great Britain, Um, And then I I think they had five points again in Hungary. So lots of, um, I guess, lots of potential there for them to offset any driver of the day nominations for Lando. And I definitely think Oscar's due for a drive where he puts himself in in contention for a DOTD. If Alonso's upgrades work, he could throw himself in that conversation too. So that's why I'm leaning towards the McLaren constructor and Oscar as well, because I'm going in on like three McLaren assets instead of, I guess, when I say three, you get McLaren through Lando and Oscar's aggregate scores, mm-hmm. as opposed to just to going in on the drivers. And I think I'm maybe having a bit of PTSD because when I had Lando, Oscar and Aston Martin two races ago, I didn't have a great great race. So
0: <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. I'm just vomiting out my, my concerns, but that's kind of where my head's at right now. I'll give you a point in favor of your lineup as well. You had mentioned the driver of the day potential for Lando, but for me, I think verstappen is closing in on vettel's record of most consecutive races won if he wins his ninth consecutive race at home i think it would be almost malpractice from the fans to not give driver of the day to max under those circumstances even a a p2 from lando he'd be hard pressed to to chase such an impressive feat so I'd, i'd almost discount the possibility of a driver of the day for lando until you know a future race
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. I just I just think um, the 5.4 difference between Lando and Oscar I can use more effectively to, to potentially level up the constructor even if I have to take a haircut on um, Alonso instead of Lando. So I'm pretty comfortable with this lineup. It would take a pretty seismic shift in results in practice for me to pivot to something else. And I do have my existing team, which was... Uh, the three that were in there instead of Oscar, Fernando, and Joe was Lando, Hulk, and Albon. So if I decide not to make a trade and just roll one of those transfers through to next week to give me a bit more flexibility at Monza, then so be it. I'm
0: in a very similar position with my previous team, certainly with Aston Martin. If they show up and they don't look like they can finish in the top 10, I may roll back the lineup from last week, which was Verstappen, Perez, Lando, two budget drivers red bull mclaren and that could get me in a position where i'm capturing like you said three mclaren assets getting a very high-end lineup but then um a bit of risk i need to pick the two budget drivers that don't dnf and maybe get a couple of overtakes just like get maybe four to eight points out of them and survive but that's that comes with its own risk too
1: yeah budget drivers are a whole can of worms separately and that terrifies me, the idea of having to fit for for any race. So
0: I'll let you uh, entertain the prospect of that because I don't have any intention of going down that route anytime soon. So follow along with me on Saturday as I play budget driver roulette if things (laughs) go south with Aston Martin. For sure, can't wait. (laughs) Rob, we had another great show this week. Thanks so much for your insights. For anybody who hasn't catched us yet on Fanamp, download the app head over to the fantasy formula community. Rob and I are active there all week. We can answer your questions about your lineup. If you want to get both of our opinions on the same subject, that's the best place to catch us. And you can interact with all new F1 creators from really across the spectrum of creators. So it's really becoming a great place for us to all hang out.
1: Yeah, I'm really liking it. It's, it's such a community that not just us, but other creators are building over on Fanamp and I think it's just an exciting time for the sport and for people who want to be as closely involved um, to to these kind of discussions as much as possible and certainly on those those off weeks or off month we've just had like that's a great way to stay engaged with um other people who have similar interests
0: and stay tuned to the fantasy formula we have some great giveaways for this half of the season all new content rob has rolled out all new interfaces for his solo content. So we have a lot of great material to bring you for the second half of the season. That's all Uh, for now. Good luck this week, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Thanks guys.